you all ever wonder, you sit here, you don't see Brian singing. You ever wonder why he can't sing? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, there's a reason for that, so I just, you send me, well, I'll explain that because it seems obvious. These three, Beth, she just got back. Her mother is in hospice and ready to go. So she'll probably pass this week. So Beth's not up here, but those three, Steve and Beth and Becky, uh, we've been told by people who know their music that they have a wonderful blend. Brian's voice does not blend with theirs. <laughs> he can sing. I've heard him sing, but they say they don't blend. So one of them, Todd Meislin, whom you all know, he says, don't mess it up. Don't you sing, Brian. <laughs> so uh, I think it'd be all right. Sounds all right to my ear, but they're fussy about such things. Okay, now you've been exposed, Brian. <laughs> We're kidding. Okay, well, it's good to see you all. Uh, last week, and just interacting with people, that's what I do out there on Sunday morning, ran into a lot of people who had heavy hearts. I'm sure some of those are still in that mode this morning. But we hope the ministry and the Word of God, the music, all of that, mellows that out somewhat. This is what we call our Missions Month, Mission Month. We emphasize our mission, and the theme is Preparing for Jesus, a title which functions at two levels. We can pray for the enrichment of his spirit in us right here and right now. And then we think about his second coming for which we should always be preparing. The missions committee each year gives me a a theme and suggest, I'm not bound to them, but suggested messages and Again, I have one prepared, one that they've suggested from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. And we'll shortly shortly get to that. But right now, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this good morning when we can all come together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can come, our Father, celebrating your great name in him, magnifying your word by teaching it and by listening to it, and taking it seriously. We want to pray your blessing upon all here present and those who are not able to be present for one reason or another. We pray that you would care for them, that you would minister to the needs, spiritual, emotional, or physical, or all of the above, of those here. We pray that the Lord Jesus Christ may be magnified. Your word exalted as your word. And we pray that we'll take the message seriously and our lives and our walk will be improved in Christ through your spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the passage that we're on today is uh, is a very familiar one. 
but it doesn't mean it's always well understood. So we're going to try to help that. <coughs> so it'll be reflected up here on the board, on the screen, reflecting my age up there on the board. All right, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 down through verse 18. The Apostle Paul is winding up this great epistle. And he says, he's talked about the walk. Um, He's talked about the wonder. He's talked about the warfare. That's what he's talking about, the believer. Finally, what on earth does this mean? It's one of those, one of those statements that should be understood better than it is. I'm going to get to that. Be strong in the Lord. What's that mean to be strong in the Lord? Does it seem squishy? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you, you and I, may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For explanation, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against who and what we think it is. But our struggle in this life is against rulers. It sounds awesome against powers, against world forces of this darkness, heavy-duty stuff, against spiritual forces of wickedness, in the heavenly places, the invisible. Therefore, take up the second time, the full armor of God, that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand, therefore, now he's going to list the weaponry, having your loins girded with truth, And having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What's all this talking about? It's really practical. In addition, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. What's that mean? In the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Okay, there's a lot there. Guys, before we get put the scriptures up here, they've already been notified. Would you put up the picture of a Roman soldier? All of this is built of a Roman soldier. That's the way the guys looked in the day. He's using the Roman soldier and his his armaments as a metaphor for all of these things that we are to put on, not that uniform. You see the helmet, you see the shield, you see the shoes, you see the sword, the sword of the spirit, you see the belt. If I didn't have this belt on, everything would go this way. You wouldn't want to see it. (laughs) Okay, 
the belt of truth, the breastplate right over the heart, the breastplate of salvation. All right, that's enough. You can take that down now. You can put up the scriptures, guys. We believers are in a battle for our souls. We're in a lot of battles. There are a lot of battles out here, individual, personal battles. But there's no battle as heavy or as dangerous as this. We are in a battle for our very souls, you and me and all of us. And there are some days I wonder if the devil isn't getting the best of me. You probably do too. If you and I are to be of any service or have any success as soldiers of Christ, and that's what we are. We're disciples, we're servants, we're stewards, we're soldiers, spiritual soldiers. We must armor up. We must stand up and fiercely resist the wicked powers of hell that are arrayed against us. They're animating and cruelly enslaving the dark world about us. And boy, we can see it if we're looking. If we're not, we're in trouble. Let's talk about the essentials of our spiritual warfare. Finally, as I come to the end of this epistle, for you believers, what I got to tell you in general terms and what as a pastor I pass on to you, we've got to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. But as you've heard me say, I hate squishiness. I want to get down to brass tacks. Tell me Monday morning, what does that mean? I'm going to give you an illustration that some of you have heard before. The Lord's given me a lot of these in my life and they're just kind of standards. When I was a little boy, I'm guessing five, maybe six, lived in Pratt, West Virginia, which was a feeder to East Bank High School, where if we hadn't moved, I'd have played with Jerry West in basketball. Good thing for him, a side note, because I would have overshadowed him. <laughs> anyway, a lot, of, uh, a lot of stuff went on there. A lot of good athletes came out of those little towns. I uh, had a nemesis there. There was a, a town, a town, you can hardly call it that. It was up the creek, up the creek, a place called Paint Creek. And a train came out of there regularly, picking up people, bringing them to little towns like Pratt, where there was a, there was J.A.B. Holt grocery store right there, right beside my house. Then I went on up there, made a turn and came back. It was, I don't know, a couple of hours. One of the creatures that got off that train one day a week, I don't remember what day it was, was a guy by the name of, whoever heard of a name like this, Bow Schwartz. And he was an ornery old cuss. And at those days, before I had some surgery, my ears stuck out like this. And I was called Andy Pandy by a lot of people, other names by others. Anyway, Bow Schwartz would get off and he'd go to whole store. He would sit out there on a little stoop with a knife and he'd carve, waiting for the train to come back after he got his groceries, get back on and go up Paint Creek again. Well, he'd see Jimmy Andrews out there because we lived right beside the place. Boy, I'm going to cut your ears off. I believed him. <laughs> I believed him. I was scared spitless. 
What we're talking about is be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Follow me. So I got to the point where I believed him so much I'd run next door two-story house and I'd go upstairs and kind of keep my eye out till I saw that train. And then I knew it was safe to come out again. Well, one day, don't know why, my dad happened to be home during the daytime, which he usually wasn't. Mom said, Jim, would you go over to the store and get me a jug of milk? Well, that was welcome news to me. So uh, her dad said, yeah, I'll go. And I ran downstairs and I got beside my dad. You got to see this. Here sits Bal Schwartz right there. Big, long knife whittling. And I walked with my dad. You beginning to get this hand in hand with my dad. My dad could whoop anybody. So I thought, and Bal Schwartz was there with his knife looking menacingly. He said nothing. Dad went past, but I did something. I'll turn around to you so you see. I looked at him. I glared at his ugly, threatening face. Say something now, because don't you have anything to say now? You get the picture. Be strong in the Lord. I was strong in my dad and in the strength of his might. I didn't have any of my own, but my dad had it. And believe me, my dad could have handled him. He wasn't going to do anything. And I know the creepy guy just kind of went back in his shell. And then I came back out and did the same thing. <laughs> no problem with Bell Schwartz. When I thought of that one day, I thought that's what that phrase means. Be strong in the Lord. I can see my dad. I can touch my dad. We can't see God. We can't touch him. But he's there. And he's on our side. And his strength is infinite. So you and I, as we walk through this life, we've got to remember those of us who know him in Christ, put our faith in him. We've got God the Father. We've got the Son of God. We've got the Holy Spirit. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Whatever might be against us out there, we've got a superior power that is for us. He knows everything we're going through. He knows everything that's up and everything that's down, everything that's going south and everything that's going north. Knows it all. Don't panic. Take a step back. Take his hand. Walk with him. And look the devil in the eye. Say, I'm not afraid of you. You can't have me as long as I'm here. I said with my dad, as long as we're with the Lord. Be strong in the strength of his might, which is infinite. The Next, the apostle goes on to explain to us that half measures in our spiritual conflict are self-defeating. There's part of our problem. We need, he says, and he mentions it twice, the full armor of God. We need all the equipage of the Holy Spirit to stand firm. We need all the armor to cope because we're up against schemes of the devil. The devil's a liar and he is a schemer. He's not on your case always in the same strength, but he catches us out in the open. You know how it is in the wild. 
catch an animal out in the open where they're vulnerable, an an eagle or a fox or something like that can more easily access them. You know yourself as I know myself. I don't know that I know all things about myself, certainly not as God does, nor do you. But we're vulnerable in certain ways, and most of you know where you're vulnerable. It it may be fear. It may be some pride area. It may be some lust of the flesh. It could be dozens of things. You know that you're a little weak. You're a little vulnerable in that area. So you can't play around. You can't mess around. The object in this world in preparing for Jesus is to stand and to stand firm and not slip and slide. The devil is tricky, deceitful, and he's a purveyor of every kind of lie that can trip us up. The devil will have us, and he has many people who profess to be Christians, twisting reality. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 tells us, I mention it all the time, not so much from the pulpit, but stuff I write. The devil will have us thinking that good is evil. He'll have us thinking that evil is good. Boy, are we living in such an environment. Terrible evil. People will somehow turn around and have you thinking and seducing you, particularly you young people, as you're in the educational system, thinking evil is good and good is evil, that sweet is bitter and bitter is sweet. Lies. Satan sells them all the time, and he's really sold them to our culture. We're living in a culture that is dominated by the political left wing, radical left wing. I'm not here to preach politics except where they intersect with reality, where they intersect with truth. It hates God. It hates Jesus. I mean, it hates him. It's animated by the devil. It hates truth. It hates morality. You name it. Anything that God is for, they're against it. If you've got your ears open, you've got your eyes open, you know that. Now, I know many of you, I'm just kind of warning you, don't have time to dwell on this. Many of you in defense from all this stuff are not even watching the news. I know because you tell me you're not. You don't want to get upset. You better change that habit or you're going to get seduced. You're going to get really upset. You need to know what is going on. It's every bit as bad as I've said and probably worse and headed further and further down. The country is dominated. You want to know what's wrong with it? Here in Portland, the Portland area, they say, well, we may need to change our policies. This uh, drug policy, no penalties. Well, they're debating it. Debating it, can't you see what it's done to a whole city? It screwed it up royally. Debating it? What debate is there? It's a terrible thing. Terrible. You know who's behind it? 
Do you know who's behind it? Well, it's George or it's that person. Do you know who's behind it? Satan. Enslaving people, killing people. We got to wake up. You need to understand every day that you're alive, every place that you walk, every place that you work, there's an unseen force out there that is looking to seduce you, that's looking to trick you, looking to get you into some trap. The trap may be some relationship. Relationships are good. We're all social people. You got to wake up. This person is a trap. And you'll pay hell the rest of your life. You might even lose your life. I want to go on and on about a camp. Our spiritual warfare is unique. We haven't gotten to the armor yet. We'll get there. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. There are people we can't stand. They're just bad people. They're cunning people. They're destructive people. But look, my biggest problem in what we call life, this temporal life, is not any human being out there on two legs. It's not your boss. It's not the people working beside you. It's none of that stuff. It's not your neighbor. i got to stop here. You remember Brian Borgman who comes here in the summer? You know, he's a film pastor. Brian's written about six books, former student, student of mine. He, uh, his wife is a real cut-up. She said, Brian's written his sixth book. He said, I haven't read a one of them. <laughs> then she goes on to say, talking about it, I said it might be your neighbor. She goes on to say, well, our neighbors, I don't remember whether she uses the name, have not moved. We've tried to stick it out. <laughs> Sometimes you think it's your neighbor, and boy, it really feels like it. I've been there. But the devil is scheming. He knows where we're weak. Our warfare is unique. It's not flesh and blood, really, in the final analysis, but it's against rulers. That's a heavy term. Rulers against the powers, against the world forces. Wow, that's heavy duty of this darkness against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. In other words, they're invisible. We're dealing with the demonic, and it requires extra measures of resistance. We're up against invisible supernatural forces. We're up against a very formidable set of spiritual forces inhabiting the heavenly places. They're all about us. You're driving down the road. You're in a supermarket. You're working wherever. They're there. And except for the invisible hand of God, how many times have you been out on the road and you've been about to turn and all of a sudden something happens and you pull it back and you just about got killed. Who spared you? Superior power.
you almost had financial disaster. Who? Who warned you? Well, I got a phone call. Who warned you? It's the Spirit of God. He looks after those who are equipped. The most dangerous enemy in this world is one you don't think exists. The one that we think of as a childish myth. The one that we may think is so much fear-mongering. So he says in verse in verse 13, Therefore, considering what we're up against, take up the full armor of God. Second time he's mentioned that. That you may be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Having done everything. Do you ask God daily, daily, do you ask God for wisdom to plot your way through the day? I've learned to do that regularly. Ask him for wisdom. So many things that Aussie and I confront. Heck, I don't know what to do with them. I'm not smart enough. I haven't lived in that world. Some of you might. I don't know what to do. I just say, Lord, you said that if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. You will not beat up on us because of our ignorance or our weakness. I can fully admit to you I'm not strong enough, I'm not smart enough to handle this. So I need wisdom. Just things like that. Our resistance requires full spiritual and moral equipment. Our enemy will take full advantage of any of our vulnerable spots, our vulnerable defenses. Our engagement with our invisible enemy requires all-out, not half-hearted resistance of the devil and his demonic horde. So that brings us to verses 14 through 18 where we've got a catalog of the full armor of God. These spiritual armaments are itemized for us figuratively, as I showed you. They're the battle dress of a typical Roman soldier. So familiar to the people of that day. The first one, let's read. Stand firm, therefore, verse 4, having girded your loins. That's the belt. That's our loins. With truth. Truth. There we go. You're living in a world, and you kids are living in a world. When I say kids, that's a broad category. Anybody under 50 is a kid to me. (laughs) You're living in a world. Do you know it? Do you realize it? are selling you aggressively day after day on the idea that there is no truth. You hear this phrase, well, that's your truth. This is my truth. Truth is relative. They want to get your mind conditioned to the idea that there's nothing that is really truth. It's just his perspective and her perspective. You take whichever one you like. 
That is the world. It's called a postmodern world. That's the world we're all living in. And I assume most of you know that. I'm just saying that for the case some might not know that. Well, you're going to have to cinch up. Like I said, some of us, like me, have gotten a belly. And if I don't cinch up, this stuff is dropping. Nobody would want that, <laughs> including me. You've got to cinch up. The best cinch in the world so that we can run and move and be agile in this hostile world in which we live is truth. You grab hold of truth. That's why we're called Lake Bible Church. It's not the most glorious name I ever heard, but it turns a lot of people away, which is good. They don't want the truth. You don't need to walk in these doors. We welcome you, but you're not going to like it. Here's the truth. The truth sets up with that. Get settled on that. I'm about the truth. When I come to church, I want to hear the truth. I might find the truth disagreeable at times. I don't like the way he said that. Well, I probably don't like it either, but we got to say it. Truth. you got to be about truth. Now, I can't spend a lot of time on these, so we have to hustle through these. The next one is put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, there's debate about just what righteousness that refers to, and I can't get into that. But I believe the righteousness referred to, it makes all the sense in the world to me, is God's right, doing what's right in the sight of God. A lot of us get in trouble because we don't do that. We cut corners. They may be financial corners. They may be social corners. They may be ethical corners. They may be moral corners. You can think of all kinds of corners. You've got to decide in this life, if you're a believer, that you're going to find out from the Word of God what is right, what is pleasing to God, what is honorable in the sight of God, what is right between you and God, what is right between you and me. And we're going to do that no matter what it costs. Sometimes it does cost. But we're going to do what is right. And I know this is a crazy mixed up world. But I really believe that I don't have to duck, run, and hide when I'm doing what is right and honorable. Oh, I may get my fenders dented. It's like I say, it's a crazy world. But in the end, if I make up my mind by the grace of God that I'm going to get up in the morning and walk through this day, I'm going to do what is right. I'm going to arm myself with truth. And I'm going to go out into the world and do what is right. I'm so glad Aussie does our income taxes. So glad. She's always loved it, but I gave it to her and I said, oh, thankfully, do it.
because we need to pay taxes. I hate them. Ones I hate most are property taxes. How many times do I have to pay? Pay this property tax to live on a house I bought, live in a house I bought, property I bought. Then I got to pay you taxes. I think they're so unfair, but that's another story. Anyway, the deal is, there's where I had one of my, I've never been about money, but there's where I come to those things and I, dad, blame it, I don't want to give you this. And I want to cut some corners. Well, if I do what's right, I don't have to worry about them coming for me. I can relax. It's kind of like I, did I say it recently up here? It's kind of like my computer. I hate, you're not interested in all my hates. It's a long list. <laughs> long list. I hate passwords. And I say, I hate passwords. I had a God ask or no in this week. Oh, shut up. Don't tell me password, another password, which I didn't know anyway. They found a workaround. But okay, you want in my computer? Come on, I'll let you into my computer. You go through it, you find whatever. I don't have any stuff on there I'm worried about. Do what's right. Come and see. Do what's right. And then you don't always have to be looking over your shoulder. That's where the devil will get advantage of you. Because here's what happens when we do what's wrong. It injects, first of all, fear. Somebody's going to catch us. It injects also a hurting conscience. Our conscience just barks back there like a dog. And so we're always worried. And the enemy will come in there and he'll work on that. You know what you did back there, don't you? They may be coming for you, don't you? You know that. You may get one of those letters and then you're trapped. Do what's right. Right before God. Right in the eyes of the law of God. Then the gospel of peace. Put on your feet the gospel of peace. Be prepared. It's a preparation. If you're in muddy, slippery terrain and you're a soldier and you've got to fend off an enemy, you need to have stability. One of the things that gives stability is assurance of our reconciliation, gospel of peace with God, assurance that we are saved, assurance that our sins are forgiven, assurance that we're not going to lose our salvation, but in Christ, we are secure. There are some of you, I don't know who you are. I just know congregations. I know churches. Some of you out there, you don't have the joy of your salvation. You're not sure you're really saved. That makes you vulnerable to the enemy. More could be said about that too. Then he says, number four, faith. Generically. Not faith in any specific thing. We'll get to that. It's just that Faith, you got to put it on. you got to walk and get up Monday morning, walk out of faith. Faith in what? Faith's not optimism. Faith 
is directed to God. His character. His character is consistent. He is what he says he is, and he'll do what he says he'll do. So, the shield of faith. Put that armor up. You have all these fiery darts from the enemy that come after you. You can block them out. Well, I don't know if God has really forgiven me of that. If we confess our sins, he will do what? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Spells forgiveness because it's covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we can't get past that. I think my dad had a little trouble with that. We never talked at length about it. But I guess he thought his wickedness was great. I guess some others did too before he found the Lord. Once or twice, I gathered from him he worried about that. We don't have to worry about anything. Our sins are covered. When we repent, they're covered by the blood of Jesus. His discipline is removed from our lives when we repent. So much more needs to be said, but I can't. The helmet of salvation, that goes ahead. We've got to keep our lid on. Our hope of salvation, our future hope in Christ. You know, in this life, as we go through it, we can get so focused on the temporal, and sometimes everything seems at stake. Maybe it's our health, maybe it's our finances. <laughs> I don't mean to be redundant, but in the end, we what? We win. And we've got God's help, and we win big. That's the hope of salvation. When you're in, The enemy's not going to be able to have you if you're fully armed. Then the Word of God. That's an interesting word when it says the Word of God. Seems redundant. There he's talking about the Word is not logos, the general word for the Word of God. Word is Rhema, R H E M A. Here he's talking about specific words of God, specific promises, specific prophecies. Specific principles. You see it in Jesus on the mount, every temptation of the devil he Jesus met with the word of God. Here's one. It's Love them all, but here's one. The enemy said uh, to the Lord Jesus, you know, if you will, if you're really the son of God, you know, you should be able to take that rock there. You've been fasting for how long now? You could... With your powers, you could make that rock bread. And Jesus answers him with a specific word. He says, Satan, man does not live by bread alone. You can broaden that principle. It's like man does not live by money alone. 
man lives, Satan, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So what does it mean? Well, I'll go back to COVID. You do what's right, righteousness. You do what's right. If the enemy says, you can't go to church, you know. If the enemy says, oh, you're, you do that and you're going to get COVID. And what would Jesus have said? Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word, the sovereign word of God. And if God says, you're going to get COVID, you're going to get, and you're not going to evade it. If God says, you're not going to get it, you're not going to get it, even if you went into a whole room full of people with it. That is when you're doing what's right. When you're doing what's right, you have to do it. Do what's right. God says, my word is final. And Jesus said, my father is sovereign. I don't live by bread alone, Satan. I don't live by money alone. I live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If God says, live, I'll live. He says, die, I'll die. Very important. And finally, he says, final piece of armor is perseverance in petition. We've got to be a praying people. Do you have a prayer life? Boy, you're walking around where you're kind of unarmed. You need to have a prayer life, a regular prayer life where you're going before the Lord on a daily basis and you're asking him, you're glorifying him, you're praising him, you're asking Lord's Prayer. You know, you're asking his forgiveness. You're asking him to supply your daily bread. You're seeking to honor him. Do you do that? I wouldn't want to be walking around out there with all I have arrayed against me and not prayed up. You get weaker and weaker and weaker. I not only need prayer, but I need to pray for you. Because we're in this together. We're a whole army. If you're weaker, it makes me a little weaker. We need to pray for one another. When I hear your prayers are answered, when I hear you getting stronger, it strengthens me. So we need to be praying for one another. A lot of people in this congregation need prayed for. Perseverance, he says, with all perseverance, pray. Folks, the Lord will keep those who are his. Listen carefully, I'm almost done. He will keep, John chapter 6 says, Jesus will not lose a one of you that he has brought to himself, not one. However, if those that he has brought to himself are not vigilant, become presumptuous and are careless and we underestimate the enemy of our souls and we enter into battle spiritually unprepared, we to our great injury can find ourselves in a world of hurt.
No, you're not going to lose your salvation. If you're saved, he's going to keep you. But in his disciplinary measures, he may allow you, because of your neglect, to get seriously punished. To get tripped up, to fall down, to make a mess of things that may last for years. Oh, you so wanted that relationship. You were lonely. I'm not talking about young people. I'm talking about older people. I see You were so lonely. Yeah, I know. Loneliness is a feature of life. And you just told yourself, it'll be all right. God knows I'm lonely. Yeah, but he wants you to fix it the right way. You don't. You go ahead and you marry the idiot. You'll pay and you'll pay and you'll pay and you'll pay. Who knows? The church may pay too. Got a call from West Virginia just about that very thing. Aussie's been thinking, shaking her head all weekend. Here was this girl. Been in the church for years. Chances are she doesn't even know the Lord. Grew up there. Well, she lost one husband. I don't know how. And then she found a dumbbell out there. And now she's pregnant with him. Now she won't repent. Now the church is going to have to move her out. A disciplinary measure. Only got about 60 people in the church. It's going to just work havoc. The devil's going to have a field day. All because some woman wanted somebody to go to bed with her. And wouldn't trust God. Stupid stuff. And the rest of us can see it coming from a mile away. But I'm lonely. There are worse things than being lonely. And one of the worst is living with somebody you can't stand. Haven't we learned that? Financial things. We cut corners that are going to get us in trouble. In such cases, the Lord in his chastening will to one degree or another get us, let us get exposed. Let us get our fingers burned, our hair singed, our hearts broken, our life rendered more difficult because we refuse to pay attention when we have the opportunity. How much better to get the picture, just armor up, full armor, stand up in full confidence and the revealed character of our God. How much better that is. And all the pain and suffering we bring on ourselves, all the embarrassment we bring to the kingdom of God, all the slander against our Lord and all that, all because we wouldn't armor up. We were vulnerable, and Satan shot us down. Well, that's very good advice. It's the advice of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. I tell myself, remind myself, and I remind you to take it all seriously. Put on the full armor of God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the exhortation, the counsel, the admonition you give us through the Spirit and the Word of God who gave it to his apostle. And now, our Father, it's repeated through this servant of yours. We pray that you'll give us eyes to see ears to hear and hearts to listen so we might honor you, not disgrace you. 
in the way we live and walk and might be prepared for the coming of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, we are going to actually, I didn't introduce a new song before when I mentioned a new